Built Not Born, Episode 1, The Pilot. I am Joe Chicarone. Thank you for joining us in this little podcasting experiment. Built Not Born is the podcast where each episode we interview everyday people that are living a remarkable life. Uh, Our guests have made their impact from the boardroom to the battlefield, from the jujitsu mat to the field of medicine. Our guests have personally inspired me and impacted the lives of countless others. Today's guest is Sean Nesbitt. Sean is president and CEO of Good Karma Cafe, uh, a chain of coffee houses in Center City, Philadelphia. Sean tells a remarkable story of growing up in foster care, spending 20 years in corporate America before pivoting and becoming an entrepreneur and going all in on coffee. It's a really fascinating story. Uh, We discuss what it's like to lead a small business through a global pandemic and what it's like to be a minority business owner in a time of social unrest. Sean is a phenomenal guy. Uh, He is really smart. He's super tough. He has a high emotional intelligence and he is highly competitive and he is one of my favorite training partners in jiu-jitsu down at Balance Studios. Sean shares has a ton of wisdom to share with us. We also get into one of our favorite books and how that book has influenced the way we approach life and the way we lead our teams. So please enjoy my conversation with Sean Nesbitt, CEO of Good Karma Cafe. And remember, life is built, not born. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you. For some people that may not be familiar with you, who are you and what do you do? Great. Uh, Joe, it's great to be on your show. I'm really uh, looking forward to this conversation. My name is Sean Nesbitt. I'm the president and CEO of Good Karma Cafes. Um, we It's a mini chain here. I'm, a, I'm the 100% owner of that, but we have um, four cafes in Center City, Philadelphia, hoping looking to expand. Um, we're 100% organic, fair trade, um, mission-based company. Where um, our, our primary mission is to really serve all of our stakeholders and have a um, have more than a profit-driven bottom line, but um, it, it's driven towards um, people, planet, and our community that we reside in. I see that on your website where you mentioned how you really focus on like the organic fair trade, making sure the farmers get what they deserve, make sure the community you give back to. How did that become so important to you? I had almost a 20 year career in corporate America and uh, my, my personal values pulled me towards a side. I love the competitive nature of corporate America. Uh, so I think it really served me well and understand the importance of process and systems. But I've always been driven kind of do, to do something on my own. Frankly, I, I just was <laughs> afraid for a very long time. Yeah, with good karma, it really did align with um, a lot of my personal values. And I, I think really all of our purposes purpose here is to serve. I wanted a business. Uh, I think a business can be a fantastic social agent. The company has been designed around all those philosophies. You mentioned there was a point you worked, I see at JP Chase, uh, Bank of America, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you were in the corporate world for close to two decades. Uh, Can you remember the moment where you went in the building, a corporate employee, and you walked out an entrepreneur? You know what? I I remember the day. It um, It just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was 
outside um, this huge corporate um, building. And that day, the, just everything kind of culminated to, to that moment where I just had this burning desire that this was just not my destination. In fact, I had uh, changed my password long before that to uh, a word that reminded me of that to really start to pursue it. It was a burning desire that I just couldn't ignore any longer. I'm taking this isn't your current password. What was the password you used? What was the magic word at the time <laughs> that you used to, to keep reminding it was, you? Yeah, it's long been uh, since changed. Going for now was, was going for now. Yeah, going for it. now. <laughs> wow. What was the impetus? Like, what was the the trigger that said, you know what, it's time to go in for now? Like, what did you see? What did you feel? What was the moment where, like, you know what, it, I'm an entrepreneur now? You know what, the moment that kind of triggered it was I was in sports marketing for a long time and corporate America on the financial services side, even in a bad quarter, we're clearing a billion dollars in net income. And uh, to see that and just see how many um, hard decisions. I mean, that that's, you have a fiduciary responsibility as a public company, but I was often in a position where I had to let a lot of people go. And then I, I saw a lot of great community organizations that company I worked with supported just kind of go by the wayside. So I, I really wanted to be that agent of change. I was very fortunate to work with or work for an absolutely awesome company in MBNA America. And for me, they, they just really laid the blueprint that um, a solid mission that services all can be very um, successful. And that's my goal with this. I, I see uh, on your profile on LinkedIn, uh, Angela Duckworth is someone you oh, mentioned yeah. that is an influencer. And she has one of the greatest books of all time, Grit. You can't read that book and be the same person. Yeah. Uh, there, my favorite quote from Grit, and I want to throw it to you to see how this kind of goes in line to what happened to you, not happened to you, happened to all of us in this past year, especially you being a small business owner, like enthusiasm is common. This is for Angela Duckworth. Enthusiasm is common. Endurance is rare. Here you are post pandemic, still rocking and rolling with your three good karma cafes. Where do you think that drive, that endurance, right? It's easy to get that enthusiasm on the front end, but at some point enthusiasm has to go to endurance. Where does that endurance come from you? That's a good question, Joe. Um, I'm a big fan of Angela Duckworth and also her mentor out of uh, Stanford University. Grit is fundamental. I often wonder where that comes from, um, my personal grit, but I don't think I'm very talented at all. But what I am is tenacious. I'm inspired by a lot of folks I see out there, Jocko Willings and uh, David Goggins and folks like that. But personally, I come from very humble beginnings. I was raised in foster care. Having that grit and that ability to persevere and the resilience to persevere, to me, um, has been that difference. So I was raised by a lady that, unfortunately, she had some big losses uh, during the Depression way back when, lost um, kids and everything. And she taught me really what that is. And I saw her scrape and, and scratch to get by. And, and for me, that's one of the... Um, fundamental values that we look for when we hire folks here, you know, do they have that and given us a good example of where they've had to really um, demonstrate some serious resilience to get by. So being raised in foster care, <clears throat> what was it like around the dinner table? Describe that. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, stability. 
um, more so than not. I, I have two brothers and two sisters, and normally in those situations, families are torn apart. We got to eat together every single night. You know, that was just my normal at the time, but it was more stable from where we came from. It was, we were raised by older folks. So you know, there was there was definitely some big cultural, uh, or not cultural, but um, just generational changes. Uh, we didn't always eat together, but we always had a home. So that stability that I think all children and all people need, we always had around around meals and that we always had meals because mm-hmm. that was just not our, our experience before that. Wow. You mentioned that you said you don't feel like you're very talented. Uh, I disagree, but all right, just say that's, that's the mindset you come from. But uh, here's another quote from Grit I think we could discuss. In the book, Duckworth says, talent counts, but effort counts twice. It does. And you mentioned about how you just can grind. Mm-hmm. Talk about at what point did you realize the, it's not talent, it's your work ethic, not talent. At what point does that come into play? Yeah, that came into play. I remember specifically, I was actually in the seventh grade and I was always an athlete and always known as an athlete, but I looked around and I remember my, uh, my older sister being told by her guidance counselor, she shouldn't take a certain class because um, it was just what it was back then as far as how black people were portrayed. And I looked up and I saw like the top level class in seventh grade and I just asked myself, I'm like, why am I not there? You know, why am I not there? And um, that moment, I just decided that's what I would be. And I knew from that moment, I, I wanted to go on and go to college. I knew that um, I was, I wanted to be successful. And I knew it just required work. And at that moment, there was nothing was different about me other than my mindset changing to be very focused on that's just what I that's just what it was going to be. You mentioned in seventh grade, the color of your sister's skin kept her from taking a certain class, right? Yeah. I mean, crazy. So being a successful black entrepreneur, how does that change what you do? When you started a, a coffee company, what type of obstacles do you think you had to overcome more so than that the average person started a, tried to start a coffee chain in Center City? Yeah, it's um, one, there's not many of me down here, but how you're viewed by institutions that are can be there to support you, banks, um, attorneys, accountants, and different things like that. I mean, it's real. It's real. But um, the fortunate thing for me is, you know, as Angela talks about, um, that grit uh, really, you, you learn a lot going through it. And um, you just don't, make any excuses i mean it's just this is our reality on the history of this country is um and there's more good than there's not but there's a history that um is really baked into a lot of what we see and do and it's just you you don't make any excuses you just work that much harder the only difference with me and 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 some folks who don't make it is i just won't give up Mm -hmm. you know i'm done when i'm done and um, in jujitsu, you know, our experience, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, you, you, you keep going and um, you're done when you're done, but your spirit won't be broken. You might be beat, um, but while being beat, you're learning, which is great. And yep. I, I find I, I find or I, I learn a lot more when I fail, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it opens me up to try as much as I can because yeah, it's not fun and it's painful, but you learn, you grow. And then you kind of share that with somebody else. 
if anything we've learned on the jujitsu mat together was yeah. that failure is constant and you just have to keep iterating. Speaking of failure, mm-hmm. can you think of a favorite failure or a failure that's propelled you forward that you're like, wow, I'm so glad that happened. It was horrible at the time, but wow, I'm so glad that happened because it brought me to a better place. Boy, there's been so many. Actually, I'll go back to, um, I got invited to speak at this um, really big, probably eight, 900 people. And we get sectioned off into these groups. You know, unwilling, uh, unknowingly, I became the de facto speaker of this group, I guess, because I had some strong opinions and everything. So we had to, at the end of this three-day conference, we had to, we had to present. And I get up there in front of everyone and just absolutely choked. I mean, absolutely choked. I'll just never forget that feeling. I, I choked in that I, I wasn't able to get the words out. I stumbled. I, I was... I got completely caught in my own thoughts about this anxiety (laughs) raining down on me and just wasn't able to um, present it or put my best foot forward. And I came out of there with just this absolute feeling of regret. I knew exactly what happened, but I I had used that for fuel for every other presentation that I did from there. And I, I had subsequently had much, much bigger presentations I just vowed to myself in that moment on my ride home that I would never let that situation get the best of me again. I'll prepare more. I'll practice more. I'll focus more. I'll concentrate more. And it has never happened. And it's actually, it turned that really tough experience into like just a great learning experience where I I get a lot of compliments when I speak um, and I'm always surprised by them, but um, it's only because I went through that failure that I learned that um, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the process and I made adjustments. I just vowed I would never want. It was the feeling, Joe. It was the feeling that still like burns at me that I never wanted to experience again. And the feeling was regret because I did. I let that situation conquer me instead of like being strategic about, you know, what I had to deal with and, um, and, and then make those adjustments. There's a great quote. I forget who said it, but basically it's having the ability to think on your feet is no excuse for showing up unprepared. And I think yeah. we've all been there. Mm-hmm. We're just, you think you're really good on your feet, but like when you sit and you even take five, 10 minutes and just prepare, it's a different experience when you think it. It's, it's oh, completely. And, and that's often the difference. It's, and that's with so many things in life. Uh, you, you just put in the work and I have this conversation with my children. It's, it's about putting in the work. Yes. We all have our different um, talents and limitations. We, we just do. And um, you, you maximize your talents and you build up your limitations um, and, and you work at it. And that's what it is. You mentioned, but you go, so you go to the University of Delaware, graduate there. You get your MBA from, uh, was it Wilmington University? Mm-hmm. MBA there. You put 20 years in the corporate world. So then how do you decide to go all in to coffee? How's that happen? Yeah, so I had a friend of mine um, that um, he's a lifelong friend of mine, still a great friend of mine today, kind of introduced me to it. It, It's great to get um, job experience about what you're going to do before you go do it. Um, And 
my friend David, um, who I, I look at as one of the smartest people I know in, in coffee, and he just had a lot of experience. So he always knew of my, my interest to get into business. But like I said, I was very nervous. I have two boys and a wife and fortunately, just an awesome support partner who provided the foundation for me to even try it. So when you start as an entrepreneur, who was your role model? Like, who did you base things off of or who did you, who did you try to emulate as you got started and you started to iterate yourself? Yeah, when I got started, that's interesting. I, I, from an entrepreneur, a specific person, I don't know if I had a specific person in mind. I mean, there was different folks that I looked up to um, as far as in, in the industry. Um, as Stuart Tracy with um, Chick-fil-A of all places, the guy just understood the importance of culture, people, and process. And then um, Patagonia, uh, the, the CEO from that company, who um, really started with that same, he wasn't really a business person. Because what, what I always heard, Joe, I was too nice to be in business. What a lot of people don't know is I'm, I'm not the most vocal person, but I'm very driven and I'm very competitive. And um, I looked at that guy like from Patagonia and he was a rock climber that just, he started his company because he was tired of seeing people tear up mountains and um, you couldn't use it. And then he designed a, a clothing thing and contributes a 1% of all their gross sales. So I'm looking at all these folks out there, the company that I do um, my roasting with equal exchange. And these, those were like, my role models, because my big question was, well, can a nice guy actually do this? And then you get into business and you realize it's not about being nice. It's about being honest with what works and what doesn't. And then making that decision, that necessary decision for the betterment of, of the entire business. And it's never about a person. So, yeah. And then I, I would say um, the CEO of um, that company I mentioned, MBNA America, I was more impressed how he was able to assemble a movement of people that had a shared purpose and a shared vision, uh, Charles Calling, and just looked at all those. I'm like, well, that's the business I want to run. Mm -hmm. And then as I evolved through it, I started to like identify um, specific people that I, I looked up to and how they ran their business. As you started Good Karma Cafe, Seth Godin. Yeah, has he's a great. Yeah, so one of the books that really uh, connected with me uh, called The Dip. Whatever project you start, it gets really exciting at first. Like jujitsu, you jump on the mat, yeah. learn a bump and roll. You might learn an elbow escape, and you're just so excited. But then five, six, seven classes later, it gets hard. Then all of a sudden, you're like, "Wow, I, I'm getting choked out. I'm getting." It, it, it becomes hard. It's a grind then. And, and then you have to grind through that, that, that beginner excitement starts to dissipate. And you're like, wow, this is a learned skill. I got to show up and grind multiple times a week. And the fun kind of leaves for a while before mm -hmm. you start seeing progress again. Mm -hmm. So in your company, what part did I say in good karma? Can you talk about a moment where the dip happened, where you're like, wow, we have to either commit to this and keep it going because it's getting hard. Can you think of a moment yeah. like that? Yeah. I mean, this past year is a perfect example of that um, because we had, we were coming off a year where we were really, really rolling and things were moving in the right direction. But this was a, a real example of um, that dip happening where it was 
the mindset of everyone wasn't, um, one, it wasn't healthy. And then we started to regress on our ability to execute on our day to day. And it really made me take a step back and um, just look at the bigger picture and uh, really ask myself those hard questions. Who are we and what are we trying to do here? What do you want to do here? What do you want out of this? And and really, and what our big challenges were, and it, it served as like a, just a motivating force because I really do feel at the end of this, um, we're going to come out of this stronger. And as a result of like those initial conversations where we had offsite um, strategic meetings and we start answering these questions and invested the time to actually make sure that we come out with a plan we're introducing products we've never introduced. We're introducing opportunities for our folks that we haven't. We're opening up um, new um, new verticals, new revenue um, streams here. So, and it's still a process. And you're right; it's not an easy thing. But making everyone, helping everybody understand what the goal is for everybody, not just for the company. That's been very real this these past twelve months, in particular. When things are going well for you, what are you doing? What are the constants in your life when you know your life is going as well as it could? You know what? I start each day with a victory by making my bed. (laughs) I make my bed in the morning and I'll go through my routine of um, taking care of myself first before I can take care of others. Is like, And that's, in my mind, mental, physical, and spiritual. Mental, I I try to meditate every morning. Uh, Physical, I try to work out. Uh, first thing in the morning. Mental was also, I'd mix meditation for mental and spiritual. And then from there, everything is going, that, that's how the day gets started and staying focused on that. And then focus in being intentional about uh, my family's health, you know, and, and contributing time there, the business health, my, my personal health. And then, and I know things are well are going better when um, the consistency of executing that is, is there from the moment I wake up to the moment I sleep. I struggle with that at night and just being very disciplined on the sleep side. But that's probably, I, I've, I've learned, um, probably the most important thing you can do. But it's a struggle because I, I, I will go as hard as I can and deplete the um, resources until I'm done. So. When, when you feel done, how do you recover? What do you, what do you need to do? You know what? This is why I miss jujitsu so much because I think the best thing anybody, anyone can do for their mental health is a physical activity. You got to move. On the money. Yeah, you got to move. So I'll go out. I'm a big uh, fan of state parks. I'll walk or I'll run or daily challenge myself to do something that I really don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes for me, it just begins with the first step because it, it's easy to get so caught in your head, especially right now. And especially over the last six months with um, there's been political pressures, social pressures, financial pressures, our overall well-being. You almost have to tune it out sometimes and go back to yourself and, and build off from there before you. Sometimes you can take too much in. You're, mm-hmm. you're overstimulated. And then what? So. I just try to go back to the base, start from there and um, get physical. And, and then I stop thinking mm-hmm. and then I'm reset and go from there. That's where people like you and I, you missed the jujitsu where you missed the jujitsu sessions where 
you could go show up and it's such a, a great diverse community where it's like you have the attorneys and the bartenders yeah. and the unemployed people and the, and the entrepreneurs and the sales reps all meeting up for an hour during their day mm-hmm. and just literally choking the daylights out of each other. <laughs> and it's, you don't understand it until you do it, then you don't want to yeah. stop it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. then, and then you leave and that feeling you have after like a D a, you go to a great, say Josh Vogel class yeah. for 45 Josh, minutes. Josh. And then you, you, you take three or four people and you roll for five minutes each. And you have the 15, 20 minutes of good training in the mind is just all the marbles stop bouncing around. Like you're just, yeah. you get the creative ideas start flowing. You're re- even though you're beat up and you're physically tired, mm-hmm. like you're recharged. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, completely. Rogan says that it's, um, jujitsu is, um, chess with consequences so <laughs> you're, you're you're forced to think about um you're forced to really engage your mind you engage it in a way that's um for you and then you get all the results out of it um you're learning you're growing um, physically mentally and um yeah i really do miss it yeah well i can't wait to get back on the mat with you just wrapping up what are you working on now yeah the um big project is that um we have a lot of interesting growth opportunities, um, new locations. And, and I'm happy to say too that, um, and I wish it would get talked about more, the generosity of um, people right now is just amazing to me. We've had so much support from the community. What transpired over the last year socially, you know, the this, uh, social unrest and everything, there's been a lot of companies that are and I don't know if it's uh, some of it, it's internal. Some of it is external pressures from the state and government. But there's a lot of opportunities, Joe, that I typically would not come up. Uh, I would not have, frankly. Um, they would go to the much bigger players and everything like that. So we are um, considering those growth opportunities. I think internally as a company, my, my big change is to um, really integrate our vision, our mission, and our purpose into our every day, into every single person that's in there. We definitely need to be much more intentional about making sure that happens consistently. Focusing in on on our folks here, their personal growth, and making sure that we have an infrastructure to ensure that they're growing in their job and they're growing in their interests. Because at the end of the day, we should be aligned about what's important to them one, how do we grow? And then two, how do we grow um, internally with our people, with our vision and our mission and and just doing all those things. And, and then being as efficient as you can, because there's a lot of distractions right now. And uh, you, you got to prioritize, like Jocko says, you got to prioritize and execute and do that. So we're, we're trying to hold ourselves to that standard. You mentioned about focus. Uh, there's a great Steve Jobs line. Probably once a day, I think of it. He's just as he's more proud of what he does not do um, than what he does because you could just do the most unneeded thing, the most efficient way, and it's still worthless. And you forget like the most important work. Your not to do list is probably probably more important than your to do list. You know, like you stay away from the stuff you don't need to do. Yeah, and this is why I love to have these talks because I, I swear every day I learn something. I, I get more in, energized approaching each day and what I'm going to learn, and like I can take that lesson back to uh, my management team. And just uh, you know how it is, Joe. You you lead a team and making sure that your team is focused in on their core deliverables and their core responsibilities, and kind of working around all those distractions that happen. So. 
Yeah, that that's good. I'll definitely take that with me. Where can people find you online? Yes, um, they could find us on Instagram at GK Philly. And on um, our website is www.thegoodkarmacafe.com. And uh, they can also find us at Facebook at Good Karma Philly. Your cafes, they kind of mimic you. I mean, they're just <laughs> feel good. They're just they're just solid. You go in there and they're, the coffee's good. The people are friendly. The food's good. It's a great vibe. There's been many times, I think, uh, where I would, we would go, we would train, we'd go beat the heck out of each other, and then mm-hmm. I end it with a nice Mexican roast at the, uh, at, mm-hmm. at the Walnut Street location. Before we go, you selfishly have one question to ask for you. I have been looking mm-hmm. my whole life, at least my adult life, for a good, strong decaf. And in the morning, I like the real strong stuff. But in the afternoon, I like one, but I don't want to go to bed at 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I still like some coffee. What, what would you recommend if someone looking for a nice, bold decaf of such a beast exists? <clears throat> yeah, I'm so partial. I, I'm not the best person to ask because I'm partial to what Equal Exchange does. Um, their, their decaf is so strong. Um, more importantly, I think um, it's a perfect marriage of quality and purpose in everything they do, but the bean. And I've been, I spent some time with our farmers in Mexico and just really understand much better understanding the nuances um, beyond that, but their decaf is fantastic. I thank you for joining us today. I wish you nothing but success. And I can't wait to get back down there. Can't wait to see you on the mat again. And uh, hey, man, you're one of the good ones. And I appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate it. Me too, Joe. And um, you know what? I I miss you and and really all the lessons that you gave us. um, Really, in fact, um, it it was a new standard for me to watch how you talk. Because when you teach, as you know, you often learn. So it, it really kind of encouraged me to be able to artic- articulate at that level that you do to really share share that. And then also your your personal um, uh, business and how you approach your job. And um, we, we share a lot of the same interests. So it's, it's good to be a part of this. And congratulations on the podcast. I think giving is the best thing that we can do right now. Mm-hmm. And I think this is definitely a gift to a lot of people to bring like minds together and kind of share best practices. So congrats on that. Thank you very much. Absolutely, brother. Oh, take care.